sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. Amen and amen. Are you ready to praise the Lord today? Amen. I believe you are. I was just listening to all that praise going on, that singing. You guys make a great choir, you know that? One of these days, uh, Oh, if we gather in heaven, we'll be singing with the ten thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands of folks there who love the Lord and giving praise to Him. So let's pray together this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for time to be together to um, open our mouths uh, and with our voices praise You. We're grateful today, Lord, for Your Word, uh, for who You are, how You have revealed Yourself to us by sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, but also giving us, he's the living word, but giving us the written word that we can look to and know and be encouraged. As Theo says, we get to come every week to look into your word and to be excited about all that you have for the word that never, ever grows old, the story that is that it never, ever gets tired of telling the story of redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. So please be seated and welcome to church, church. It's good to see you this morning. We're in a little short series called The Stakes Are High. Uh, we are talking about as we're looking to the future and looking to the year as, as 2024 has opened up for us. Pastor Matthew last week challenged us about being laborers in the harvest, and uh, it's not an option. God has called us to be laborers. And you know what? Over the past 24 years, as I've had the privilege to serve here with you, I have seen you answer that call over and over and over and over again. You are a bunch of people. I've pastored five different churches throughout almost 50 years of ministry. And I want to tell you, uh, I brag on you guys everywhere that I go. People say, well, how are things at Warren? I said, those folks are great. They're doing great things. They're obeying the gospel. And I want to tell you, there's a, there's a testimony that this church has in this community about volunteerism. Uh, people know and understand that if you want to get something done, go to Warren. They'll get it done. And so I just wanted to just say to you today, thank you for being a church uh, that, is, that responds not only to a need, but responds in obedience and that you want to serve the Lord. And every day uh, throughout the year, I pray that this year will be the greatest year that we've had. Turn with me in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 14. How many of you would say today that the Apostle Paul was a man who had great accomplishments? Would you agree with that? I mean, I don't know of anyone who had greater, was able to accomplish greater things. That, that book you hold in your hand or that app you have on your phone called the Bible 
Over 13, well, in fact, 13 books for sure he wrote, and I actually honestly believe he wrote the book of Hebrews as well, just my personal opinion. I'll find out one day when I get to heaven. Uh, but uh, I believe he wrote over half of the New Testament. How many books are in the New Testament? 27. You're right. All right. We, we need to have a Bible quiz here. Y'all were a little slow. Yeah, so... With that in mind, we understand that he's written half of the New Testament for us. As we're looking today in the book of Philippians, he wrote that while he was in jail. But listen to what he says, beginning in verse 13. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, parentheses, and sistren, I do not commit myself to have apprehended. I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, one thing I do. Now listen, that's important. One thing he says, I ought my life is determined by every day when I wake up. One thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now imagine, here's a man that, we, that wrote for us over half of the New Testament, he went over three uh, major missionary journeys. He established churches as a church planner, as we would call them today. He established churches in every major city in Asia Minor. And here he is saying, the past is not enough. I forget all that, but every day I wake up to do more for the Lord. Should that not be a goal for you and for me? Every day. I want us to just kind of uh, reminisce a little bit this morning. Go back. Some of you have heard this many times. If you've been members here at Warren for quite a while, but some of you who are new to our church haven't heard some of these things. And I want to just rehearse for a minute those things that you as a church have done in the past. Let's look because the stakes are high because we have a great history as a church. Philippians 3, 12, in the first part of verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am perfected. Now, let's look for just a minute at the Apostle Paul's life. And then we're going to look at Warren. What did the Apostle Paul accomplish? What are some of the things? Now, I looked uh, and, and, and started putting all this stuff together about three or four weeks ago. And I ended up with about eight or nine pages of stuff that, that I found that he accomplished. But I had to reduce it here this morning to get it on three-fourths of a page. So there's lots of things that we won't cover that he did. But look at what he was. What was his full name? His name was Paul of Tarsus before, and his birth name was Saul of Tarsus. You know, his name was changed after he was saved on the road to Damascus. And God took him, uh, his life and, and made it in a new direction. What was he known for? He was a standout missionary. Every city, major city in Asia Minor has a, had a church there because of the Apostle Paul. He was a great theologian. He was taught by 
uh, the greatest teacher of the day, Gamaliel. He had the equivalent of what we would say today of at least two PhDs. He had the first he had the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, had them all memorized. Then he had all 600 amplifications of the Ten Commandments memorized. He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. There was no one that was greater in the law than him. He was a great theologian. He was a great debater. He was a biblical writer, as we've already said, and he was a key early church figure who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. He was born somewhere around A.D. 1. We really don't know for sure. Some think as, as early as 4 or 5 B.C., but most agree that it was somewhere around um, A.D. 1 when he was born. He died uh, in A.D. 67. What was his family background? According to Acts chapter 22 and verse 3, the apostle Paul was born into a Jewish family in Tarsus of Cilicia. He was a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. We know that from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5. He was named after the most prominent tribe member who was the first king of Israel, King Saul, who was also of the tribe of Benjamin. His citizenship, Paul, was born a Roman citizen. And we know how important that was later on in the uh, later, uh, later books of, of the book of Acts where he's beaten and goes before uh, the governor there in Rome, uh, which granted him rights and privileges that would benefit his missionary work. What was his occupation? He was a Pharisee. He was also a tent maker. We would call him a bivocational a missionary today, a bivocational pastor, a bivocational worker. He not only was able to debate with the greatest theologians and the greatest teachers of the day, but he also worked with his hands. I, I tell you, I believe there's something about a guy, I really believe, that is, that is really convincing to people that, that knows how to work and gets their hands dirty and is there with the people working. Um. He was a tent maker. He was a Christian evangelist. You know, Paul's zeal and his desire was to preach the gospel, as, it as he tells us, in where it had never been preached before. Paul would not have been very happy as a pastor of a church settled down into one area. Paul was a pioneer. He wanted to go into areas where the gospel had never been preached. So he was an evangelist, and his missionary work is unparalleled. What were some of, the, some of his published works? Well, he wrote the book of Romans. Most people call that the theodicy of Paul. It was all that training that he had under Gamaliel. And for when he was saved there on the road to Damascus, the Bible tells us that he disappeared for a time into a place called Arabia. And nobody really knows where that was, but they believe it was kind of a desert area. And he literally was, was away from society for a long time. And all that training that he'd had in the Jewish law, he came out of that desert and out of Arabia with the book of Romans, proclaiming all the wonderful truths that we have there. If there's one book that you could have 
And you couldn't have the whole Bible, but there's one book that you could have. I believe the book of Romans should be the one that we would choose. But he wrote the book of Romans. He wrote 1 and 2 Corinthians. He's gotten word from the church at Corinth, from some of the leadership there, that there's lots of problems in Corinth and in the church. In fact, he addresses 13 issues there in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the problems that were in the church. And I want to tell you, some of them were absolutely phenomenal. There were sexual problems going on in the church, immoral issues going on in the church. There was favoritism going on there. There was the same common sinful things that man has been dealing with throughout these years that are here in churches today. It's the same kind of problems. And he wrote and gave an answer of how to deal with each of those 13 problems. Then he wrote the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Now, the best way to remember them is uh, they're all in order, and if do a little acrostic, it's General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Or, if you're younger than 20, it's Go Eat Popcorn. Now, you can remember that, uh, where they are. Then you have First and Second Thessalonians, and he, he encourages the church there at Thessalonica and says, you folks are great. You have been faithful, you have uh, served the Lord, and you are continually serving the Lord, believing that you, that you are waiting for his coming. In First and Second Thessalonians, we, we have the rapture of the church in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we have the... Uh, the, the coming and the understanding of who the Antichrist is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So there are many, many great things that are going. Then he has First and Second Timothy, one of the practical books about teaching Timothy, his son in the faith, about what it means and how it means to be a church leader. Then he wrote the book of Titus, who is also one of his disciples. And it also describes for us how and the qualifications and all those things for a church leader. Then there's Philemon, and then there's uh, one of his most notable quotes throughout the entire Bible is found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, and it is this, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now think about that quote for a moment, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. In other words, my whole life is focused on one thing. That life in its complete fulfillment is to live every day for Jesus Christ. He wrote in the book of Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is a statement beyond anything that really can be comprehended. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, my ego has been put in its place. My preferences have been put in its place. 
My ideas have been put in its place. My dreams, my focus, my purpose, everything is focused on Christ. Well, that's, he's the guy who wrote all this. But then what does he say? What was his statement? Forgetting those things that are behind. Now, Paul could have retired right here, right? I mean, look at all that he accomplished. He could have retired and said, I've had a great life. I've accomplished many wonderful things. But Paul says, no, I forget all those things that are past. And every day I press toward the goal of the high call, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, every day brings new opportunity to do more, to serve more, and to praise our Lord more. Well, let's look at our church, the history of our church just a little bit. The book of Deuteronomy reminds us in Deuteronomy 11 and verse 2 from the Good News Translation. It says this, Remember what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with Him. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9 uh, from the Living Bible paraphrase, listen to what it says. Be careful to never forget what you have seen God doing for you. Not what you have done, but what God has done for you. May his miracles have a deep and permanent effect upon your lives. Tell your children and your grandchildren. I want to tell you something, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. If we don't pass the torch and the baton on to our next generation, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, I promise you if we don't get the message of hope and salvation to them through Jesus Christ, the world, the flesh, and the devil has a message for them. If you don't believe that, just watch the news. Look at all the confusion and all the stuff that's going on out there. We're reminded here that we are the ones that have the responsibility to pass it on. Let's, and think about what our church, uh, our beginnings. Our first Bible study was on August the 10th, 1999. Now, that was about a two-year preparation time up to that point where Jan and I had been praying about uh, the Lord had put on our heart to come and start a new church. And, you know, I grew up here in Fayette County, born and raised here, went to school here, graduated from high school here. Um, grew up doing everything that uh, most young boys did. I mean, I was one of the natives of Fayette County. And uh, that verse always kept to me, a prophet is not known in his own country. So I kept saying, Lord, I can't go back to Fayette County. All those folks know me over there. They're not going to believe anything that I say. So for over a two-year period, we, we struggled and prayed and sought the Lord, and he led us back to come back to this great county, home. You know, I've been all over the world, literally, mission journeys and projects and things. But I want to tell you, it's something about coming across from the airport, that Shelby County line into Fayette County. It's something, I don't know, it's something different that happens on the inside. Home. So God brought us back here. When he brought us back here, we came with a determination that we would start a church, and we would start a church with this goal in mind, that we wanted a place 
where anyone and everyone could come. It didn't matter whether you had a suit of clothes or whether you had a pair of Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt. It didn't matter what nationality you were. didn't matter what ethnic group you belonged to. It didn't even matter if you were from Laconia. You could come to Warren Community Church. We wanted a place where someone could come, and when they came in, they could feel the acceptance and the presence of the Lord. And through all these years, that's exactly what you guys have done. Our first worship service was on April, in April, Easter Sunday of 2000. We met in Fed Academy's uh, lunchroom 179 times. Yep, I counted every one of them. Because we had to go in, and we would have to... Uh, take all the tables and things and, and get them out, their stuff, and store them. We, then we'd have to clean the place up. Then we would set up all of our stuff. Then we would have the service. And then when the service was over, we had to take our stuff down, clean it again, and then put all their stuff back. And for all those times, what a joy it was to see the church begin to grow and respond and people with the vision of reaching this county for Christ. We were constituted as a church. First Baptist Somerville was our sponsoring church and they, we had a service there and we baptized 33 people that day and we had a, a membership that day of 125 people. We purchased this land that we're sitting on here and the story of it is phenomenal. We had tried to buy this land. Uh, we had contacted the gentleman that owned it. This, well, this was a part of one big farm that was here that goes all the way down Joanne Road over here. It was all one big farm. The Jenkins family farmed it uh, when I was uh, coming up. And we, uh, this spot where we're on right now and over in what we call the grove over there where the trees are, uh, this was, uh, at one time, it was a Christmas tree farm. And so when we looked at this property, we said that would be a great place because we wanted to target this area because at that time, there was supposed to have been a subdivision built right down here uh, where the old overpass used to be, uh, right across from where the uh, funeral home is, that, that big, uh, and where there's a gas substation there. Uh, that, that whole uh, farm uh, a developer had, um, had made a, 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 a deal to buy it, but when he did, he wanted to have an Oakland address because he felt like people would hear Oakland, and that meant that was closer than Somerville. And so they, uh, but when Somerville found out that Oakland was going to annex it, and Oakland did annex that area, guess what? Somerville decided they didn't want Oakland to have it, so they challenged the, the annexation in court, and Somerville won because it was a bigger city at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Vivian, were you a part of that? 
Okay. So that developer who was supposed to put 12, like 1,200 homes over there on that 700 and something acres, when he found out that it was going to be a Somerville address and not an Oakland address, he pulled out. Well, we still wanted to target this area. There was at that time no Baptist church in this area. There was one over on Feathers Chapel Road, but none in this area. So we, the Lord just began to, to show us here that, uh, that this is where we needed to be. And we tried to buy this land. The guy wouldn't even talk to us. And so there was a gentleman by the name of Jim Hilliard that I had been doing electrical work for many years, probably close to 30 years, and it and had done uh, work for him, and Jim was a developer in the area and a contractor, and I called him one day, and I said, Jim, do you know of any land around the Warren area uh, that's for sale? And he said, well, do you know about that park there where the old Christmas tree farm used to be right there at Joanne Road? I said, yeah, but we, we talked to the guy, and, and he, he won't even talk to us. And he says, well, he just called me two weeks ago and wanted to sell it to me. Do you want me to see if he still wants to sell it? And I said, well, why not? So he calls me the next day. And he says, hey, Brother Ken, this is Jim. And I said, hey, Jim, what's up, buddy? And he said, I got some good news and some bad news. I said, well, give me the good news first. He says, we can buy that land. I said, you're kidding. Nope, I've made the deal. And uh, he says, I've also already put $10,000 of earnest money down. I said, you did what? Because we had no money. Zero. We were members at First Baptist Somerville. We were giving our tithes and offerings to Somerville. And we were just having Bible studies and stuff. And uh, so he says, I, and I thought, that must be the bad news. I said, okay, well, uh, you've given me the good news and the bad news. He says, oh, no, no, I haven't given you the bad news yet. I said, well, what's the bad news? He said, we got to close in 10 days or the deal's off. I said, you've got to be kidding me, Jim. What have you done, <laughs> you know? We had not even talked to a bank. But you know the miracle? I, I wish I had time to tell the whole story, but you know the miracle? We closed in eight days. Eight days. Because the people of God, of Warren Community Church, and the people that we were meeting with, they caught the vision, and they believed in what God had called us to do, and they sacrificed. We had, we had a, um, we bought this property in August of 2000. It was two hundred and thirty-seven thousand four hundred and forty-six dollars and sixty-nine cents. It was supposed to have been eighteen acres. When it was surveyed to be sold to us. It only surveyed out at 13 acres. And the owner had a conniption. He'd been paying tax on 18 acres for 30 years. But in less than a year, 
in June of 2001, we paid that land off. I'll never forget that day. We had, we had a service there. We were still in the academy. We had a service there, and we had Joash's chest there. We made it all nice and pretty and everything. And um, we'd put it there, and um, children, I, it just my heart just breaks and, and with the fullness of joy and tears in my eyes. Think children brought their piggy banks and dumped their piggy banks. What am I doing here? Dropped their piggy banks into that chest that day. It was the largest general offering that we ever had. It was over $4,000 just that day for the operation of the church. But then we had an offering of, that was phenomenal. Over $110,000 was given that day to pay the land off. It took us a week to count all those pennies. <laughs> but every time we'd count one, we'd just praise the Lord. Every, every child participated, even the little things. You know, some people say, well, I don't have a lot to give to the Lord. Listen, you just give to the Lord what he, what he tells you to give, and he will multiply it. And that's... Folks, that's our history. That's what you did. As Matthew challenged us last week, we've got to continue it. We can't, we can't live on the past. Those were great things. And when we moved into this building, someone said to me that service, in that service that morning, well, Brother Ken, you ought to be greatly satisfied. The Warren Community Church has arrived. And I said, no, no, no. We're just beginning. So we moved into this, we broke ground for this building in October of 2001. We moved into this building in August of 2002. We had a mortgage of $2,252,893.31. We paid that mortgage off, and many of you were here when we did it, and we burned the note right here in August of 2021. Amen. And ever since we've been a church, we have seen 777. How do you like those three sevens? Didn't that work out just right? I mean, I added all that up, and it was 777, and I did a little holy dance in my office in there. And I showed that to Matthew, and he did the same thing. 777,000, I wish it was 1,000. 777 people have made a profession of faith and followed the Lord in a believer's baptism here um, from our beginning until now. And that's because you have been faithful in sharing the gospel. We've got to keep on. Our budget went from zero <laughs> in 1999. You know, when we first started, 
none of the, I mean, uh, uh, no one received any, uh, any money for or salary. In fact, it was uh, over a year before there was any salary uh, to any of the, the workers or any of the, to me or any of us. We all worked other jobs and, and uh, were focused on getting the church started. So over a year, then it was part-time, then it went on. But from the time of our beginning in, in 1999, where the mortgage, I mean, the uh, budget was zero, we have this past year, our budget was $765,660. And that's because you have been willing to give to the work of the Lord. That's why we've been able to see this many people say, this is not counting. Every year when we did uh, Judgment House, we would have over a hundred professions of faith in that one week period. But we were helping reach the kingdom of God and filling up other churches and other baptism, baptismal pools. And because churches from all over were bringing people in here. The little church called Warren Community with over 100 or 150 about uh, volunteers putting on a play that would last, a drama that would last 45 minutes that took a month to prepare and a month to tear down. But you were committed. That's our history. But we can't rely on history. What did Paul say? Forgetting those things which are past. Not forgetting about them, but not resting on our laurels and saying, well, look at all what we've done. No, listen, the greatest days for Warren Community Church are ahead of us. And we have to see it that way. The stakes are high because we have a guided president. A president, not president. Boy, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? I guess he is guided. Somebody has to guide him around everywhere that he goes, you know. He shakes hand with invisible people and doesn't know where to go off. Of, uh, you know, don't get me going there. I've got a, a guided present. The same God who led us to start Warren Community Church and is keeping us and is still leading us for today. Philippians 3 says, uh, but I must press on. We have got to continue to move forward. What do we press on to do? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, what Christ has done for me, I've got to continue to press on and let everybody know what he's done for me because he will do it for you as well. Then Psalm 77 says, You are the God of miracles and wonders. Amen? You will demonstrate your awesome power. And Psalm 78, in this way, listen to this, say it with me, these two words, these next two words. Each generation has been able to set its hope anew on God and not forget his glorious miracles. Our purpose statement as a church, is right out there on our cornerstone, and it is simple as this. We believe that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. What is the great commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord with 
your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That verse right there has the Ten Commandments. The first four deal with our relationship with God. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Commandment number five is the pivotal commandment. It starts with our mother and father. So we have a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. And here uh, Jesus told us to, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. That's given five times, by the way, in Scripture. Once in each one of the Gospels. And once in Acts chapter 1, Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Now out of those two passages of Scripture, there are five statements. To love God with all of your heart is worship. And boy, I want to tell you, I believe we've got one of the, the greatest worship experiences here at Warren Community Church. I've been in churches around and so on, but I can't find any greater and more worshipers anywhere in the world. I tell you what, Mike, Mike really gets me going on Sunday mornings. He knows how to worship, and he doesn't care whether you like it or not. I think that's the way it's going to be in heaven. All our inhibitions are going to be removed. To love God with all your heart is worship. To love your neighbor uh, as yourself is ministry. To go make disciples is evangelism. To baptize is to incorporate into the fellowship of the church. And to teach them all things is discipleship. And so we as a church, we exist here in this guided present. We exist to glorify God through worship, to develop mature believers through discipleship, to live life together through fellowship, to serve one another through ministry, and to reach the world through evangelism and missions. That's why we're here. Those are the five pillars of the church. Matthew pointed to the one of prayer. Look at the others that are hanging here. And then the stakes are high because we have a glorious future. I want to tell you something, folks. There's no group of people in the world that's got more of a glorious future than the church and the believers in Jesus Christ. You and I not only have what is the best in this world in a relationship with him, but we've got the best in, in, what, the world has to, in, in, in what the new world will be like as well in a relationship with him in eternity. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended in other words, Paul is simply saying this. You know, as much as, as, as I've matured, as much as I've learned, as much as I've grown, as much as I've seen God move and work, I realize that, um, that uh, it is it's not enough. I wake up every day wanting more. I've not apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what we have waiting for us? 
And I want to tell you, you folks have been faithful all these years, 24 years now. You've been so faithful. We talked about the five crowns uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was. But you've got more than crowns waiting on you, folks. I mean, this is something that we ought to get excited about. It's something that, that, should, that we should wake up every morning with joy in our hearts about. Do you know Jesus told us, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if you look at the derivative of that word mansion, this is what it means. The fundamental meaning of that word is simply this, a permanent dwelling place. <laughs> you know, as a preacher, I've had to move a lot through the years. We moved around, I don't know how many times we moved, four or five times in early years. And I asked God when we came back to start Warner Community Church, I said, Lord, I don't want to move anymore. I want my next move to be to heaven. And so uh, that's what I'm counting on. Now, I'm, I'm willing to bow to his will, whatever it may be. But I, one thing that I know for sure, you know, we've lived in this house and that house and this city and that city, and we were following the Lord, and, and you know, uh, there was nothing permanent about those. But I have and you have, because of what Christ has done for us, we have a permanent dwelling place that is prepared for us. What did he say? I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for Monty and Lisa and Brandy and Roger and Daryl and Jan and Callie Sue and Brian and all the rest. And I can't see the rest of you. But he's gone and he's, he's gone to prepare a place. That place is permanent. It is secure and nothing Come hell or high water, as they say, will stop us from being able to enjoy that prepared place that he has for us. Our, our salvation is secure. Our home is absolutely secure. And one of these days when we take our last breath, at that moment our spirit will go to be with the Lord and then our body will be placed in the grave. And then on that resurrection day, on that rapture of the church, that body is going to come out of the grave and it's going to change from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible. And that body will be likened unto the body of Jesus' resurrection body and it will be joined together with our spirit and the scripture says forever to be with the Lord. We have a prepared place but not only that we have a we have to be a prepared people to get there john 14 4 says and the way you know you see there's only one way to get to heaven and that's through the lord jesus christ jesus says i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes into the Father except by me. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses take that passage 
And they translate it like this. I am a way. I am truth, some truth. But I want to tell you something, folks. That's a lie. Jesus is the only way. Muhammad cannot save you. Islam cannot save you. Judaism cannot save you. Obeying the law cannot save you. Confucianism can't save you. Nothing can save you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing that can take our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west, put it into the deepest part of the ocean, and stick up a no fish inside. It will never be brought up to us again. But we have to be prepared. How are we prepared? By trusting in Christ. If you haven't trusted Christ today as your Savior, you need to do that. There's only one way. And then we have a prepared path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into the Father except through me. You know, he didn't make it complicated. He didn't say you've got to be good-looking, thank God. He didn't, he didn't say you had to have 5% body fat, thank God. Uh, he, he didn't say you have to be a, a tremendous athlete, thank God. He didn't say that you have to be able to have a beautiful voice to sing, thank God. In fact, he said there is, there is nothing, nothing in my hand to thy bring, only to thy cross I cling. Nothing. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not for me he died at Calvary. But then your eyes are open. You've heard the good news. You've heard that Jesus saves, and he's the only one who can. We have a glorious future because we have a prepared place, because we are a prepared people, and because we have a prepared path. God has provided it all. All we've got to do is have the good sense to be able to follow it. Are you willing to follow that path today to get to that prepared place? Well, you have to be a prepared people to do it. And the only way to be a prepared people is to come through Jesus Christ. You have been such a faithful church through the years. We've got a great history. But the stakes are high because of our great history we have those that that we're building on their shoulders right now for those who've gone before us and i you know i started to list all of those that in our church family that uh, have gone on to heaven since we started warren community church but i'd start bawling and we'd all start bawling and we probably would never finish but because of faithful people you and i now have been given the torch to care and continue it on Forgetting those things that are past. In other words, not, not uh, resting on that, but striving to move forward. Pressing on and pressing toward. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together today, for the privilege to serve you through such a great church.
and a great people. May we never lose sight of the debt that we owe, not in monetary or financial issues, even though those have been an issue for us in the past, but the debt that we owe because of the wonderful gift that we've been given, the gift of salvation. And as Paul says in the book of Romans, that I am a debtor both to the Jew and to the Greek. That, Lord, we've been given such a great gift that we need to be able to give it away. We hear a lot today about people uh, passing it on, people paying for other people's groceries behind them in the line, passing things on like that. But, Lord, the greatest thing we could ever pass on, and those things are wonderful things. If we have the means to do it, we should do it. But the most wonderful thing and the greatest thing that we can pass on is faith in Jesus Christ. May we be faithful to pass that on and to let others know. And may we never, ever rest on our past and the victories of that. But may we press on and press toward the future for even greater victories until you come and take us to be with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.